Austin working on Edie into the paint. No look past the suing who throws it down. Here's the handoff to Laird. Laird bouncing around. Does he get there? Yes! Touchdown! Bears! Here's the snap. Costello under heavy protection. Throws midfield. Intercepted! Swung and it belted out to right field. That one's a long way. Is it fair? It is. It's gone. And the Bears tie the game on a Quentin Selma long ball. 15 on the game clock. Long three by Aisha Thomas. She's got that one. Thomas with a pump fake, runs baseline, throws it into the corner to Cowling. Long three, boom! Harmon will probably try to swim it, and he does. Ball comes loose, and the Bears have to get out of bounds. Rodgers along the sideline, another one. They're still in deep trouble at midfield. They tried to do a couple of... The ball is still loose as they get it to Rodgers. They get it back now to the 30. They're down to the 20. All the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to go into the Bears. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Oh, my God. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, Exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. Welcome into Bear Talk on November 20th, 2019. It's great to have you with us. The 37th anniversary, uh, you just heard it, the play. 37 years ago in the big game, Cal defeating John Elway. As we lead up to the big game and big game week here on Bear Talk, this is Sam Wiseman alongside McCoy Cantwell and Noah Rafaga bringing you another week of Bear Talk. It's great to have you with us here on 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley, your best source for all things Cal Sports and your Cal Sports radio network. And guys, thanks for being here. Got a lot of stuff to get to. We're not even leading with the fact that Cal is playing Duke tomorrow, a number one ranked Duke team. We'll get to that as well. We'll talk about some Cal women's basketball. And before all is said and done, McCoy, I know you definitely want to get to some uh, some of the Astros... Juicy, cheating juicy, scandal. cheating scandal. This is the best thing since... I, I kept trying to remember the one that happened in the 20s. It's not Teapot Dome. That happened in... That is, no, it's that not happened Teapot in the government. You're, you're thinking of the Black Sox. Am I wrong? Yeah, the, the, no, the I am Sox. thinking of the Black Sox. There was just a name for the, for the scandal. Yeah, the, the Black Sox. Yeah, that was the name for it. All right, well, we got all that and more ahead here on Bear Talk, 9 to 9.30 every Wednesday night. From the Calix Studios, and just to give those of you out there some uh, some news and some updates, Noah, you were on site just a couple minutes ago. There's a violent protest going on right now about 200 feet away from the studio door of Calix here on Berkeley's campus, and uh, it, it, was, it was pretty gnarly out there. And uh, just, just a general update, please, Noah, so this can be preserved for posterity. Well, it was, it's quite, uh, quite interesting out there, the large crowd in front of Wheeler Hall, Ann Coulter is set to speak tonight, and um, high police presence. There must have been at least two helicopters in the air that I saw. That's, that's you know, for Berkeley, I think that's the equivalent of, you know how they designate fires, a certain number of alarms, like there's a five-alarm fire that they need to respond to, right? Five-alarm chili. Th- this, is what, yeah, this is what happens in Berkeley. The number of helicopters in the air is directly proportional to the chaos going on at this current moment. Exactly. So- and when I was there, it was just about getting a little bit out of hand, so... Um, we'll have to stay updated and check out the news later. Yeah, you can tune in to KALX Berkeley twice a day on weekdays for news for everything from 
the national to the international to local campus news. And I expect there's going to be a big news story tomorrow morning. So be sure to stay tuned for that once again here on Bear Talk. It's big game week. Oh, boy. I'm excited. Campus is excited. All kinds of stuff going on over campus this week. Are you excited to beat Leland Stanford Junior College for the first time in the decade? I'm excited to I'm excited to meet the to beat the Leland Stanford Junior University marching band. <laughs> LS Jump. That's my uh that's my real opponent in this game every year. The Bears are 5 and 5, the Cardinals are 4 and 6. Cal coming off of a depressing loss to USC. We were there for it. Didn't want to be there for it. At least not the second half. It was pretty ugly and Really, I don't think there's any way to say it other than other than that Kenan Slovis really just uh, beat Cal, and uh, there were there's some choice words that I was going to use there, but then I realized that we were on the air. So Cal Cal got beat, beat pretty hard, pistol whipped, perhaps. Yes, pistol whipped, curb yes. stomped, maybe. Curb. St- this is great. I'm glad we have McCoy here. Hit with a garbage can. Well, yes, a garbage can named. Kadon Slovis. Name Kadon Slovis. Stanford, of course, by the law of transitive property, lost uh, uh, lost to Wazoo last week, forty nine to twenty two. Cal beat Wazoo, therefore Cal should beat Stanford. That's that, the logic this year. That's what one would think. And historically, Stanford's scoring chances have become considerably more strained once there is an opposing team on the field. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> astute. Quite astute. The Stanford Cardinal also looking for uh, for bowl eligibility. They would need to pull out wins versus both Cal and Notre Dame. So I think kiss the bowl game streak yeah, goodbye. That's highly unlikely. For Stanford. There's a, cer- there's a scenario this week where the Pac-12 only sends four teams to bowls. There's also a scenario where they have ten teams that are bowl eligible, but that's definitely not happening. But uh, Stanford, if they can pull out two wins, one against the Bears and one against Notre Dame, they're on their way to uh, to a bowl. Cal just needs one of three, one of three wins, including last week, nope. this week versus Stanford, and the final week of the season versus UCLA to get bowl eligible. Do we see it happening? Let's take a look at Stanford and at this, uh, this nine-game losing streak for Cal, all-time worst losing streak in the history of the Axe. It's getting to a point now where they're, they're going to be what? However, I think we can calculate the number of thousand Cal students that have gone through here and never been here at a time when the axe has been with California. Yes. It's got to be 37,000 by two, by like two and a quarter. That's not, that's not good. I figure, that, I, I figure that if Cal doesn't win this one, then we just steal back the axe again. I mean, it happened in 1960. Why can't it happen now? We have better technology. A great story by Kyle Bonagura from ESPN this morning. Right. The, the hidden history of the the 1960 axe theft which was a kind of a not too much a chapter that wasn't talked about too much in the uh, in the history of the axe turns out that a cal student or a cal grad actually stole the axe from cal uh and so that is a kind of a a chapter of cal history that we're not too proud of i think (laughs) when we enter it into the annals of cal lore but let's look at this year's stanford team cal gonna try to break out of this nine game losing streak david shaw Always competitive on offense, at least, I think is the best and most consistent thing you can say about David Shaw teams. This year, I really hate to pin it all on him. 
they've lost KJ Costello. It's going to be Davis Mills, we found out yesterday, starting on Saturday. Davis Mills, who was the first quarterback for Stanford to throw for over 400 yards in a game since Andrew Luck. By the way, so it's not like when KJ Costello goes out, there's a bum in the quarterback Mills position. Play. Yeah, Davis Mills, big guy, too. Really big guy. Talking about a, a five star recruit, McCoy. And, uh,. There have been injury issues on defense as well, but really a couple of banged-up teams and a big game that, I don't know, it seems like it might be a little bit lackluster. Yeah, it seems like there's not a lot of hype going into this one. I haven't seen the amount of, uh, you know, bonfire excitement this year. And, I, you know, I love burning things as much as the next guy, but if it means that i got to go all the way out of my way up to the Greek theater when I'm not guaranteed a win, eh... It's been that way the last nine years, McCoy. I mean, we haven't been guaranteed a win in a while. We've been better teams in the last it nine looked, years. It looked good last year. It did. It looked really good last year. Oh, boy. We should have won last year. We should have won last year. Well, in any case, uh, let's talk Stanford. Let's talk injuries. Let's talk. Uh, let's look at the injury report, actually, for both Cal and Stanford. We talked about KJ Costello, a couple of guys in the Stanford secondary who are... 50-50, go, no-go. A lot of questionable names, at least at this midpoint in the week, for Stanford on Saturday. Yeah, Stanford does have a few players who are questionable in their secondary. We'll see um, as the game approaches. We'll see if they end up playing. But if that's the case and some of their secondary does not play, that leaves the field even more open potentially for Cal Ride receivers because you'll be potentially going against backup cornerbacks. So that could play a role in this game. Yeah, there are three members of the defensive unit for David Shaw who are out for the season, Ethan Bonner, Jacob Mangum-Farrar, and Ricky Miazan. And of those three, Mangum-Farrar is really the only one who contributed in last year's big game, and he's going to be out with... An undisclosed injury. Jet Toner, the kicker out. KJ Costello, we just talked about. The biggest out, Tucker Fisk at tight end, uh, is gone too. And up front, they've lost a couple of guys on defense as well. They have three tackles who have been sidelined uh, for the season so far. Not to uh, stereotype Stanford, but everybody that was listening in probably just heard the name Jet Toner and thought, wow, what a cool name. Jet is actually uh, those are actually his initials. It's short for it's short for John Edwards Toner the fifth, which sounds like a Stanford name. Yes, I will. Uh, I will be props to you for bringing that up. There's right there. there are a lot of good names. There are a lot of great names again on the Stanford squad. Remember all the talk about Amon Ra St. Brown. We got his brother Osiris St. Brown, wide receiver, and a Kale Lucas, another wide receiver. He is from Farmington. On the Cal side, Chase Garbers is still questionable for Saturday. Today in practice, he took a couple of first-team reps and was able to throw the ball, but he was not able to participate fully in practice. He's not been cleared to play yet. Same story for Chris Brown, who has participated in practice today. He is not yet cleared to play on Saturday. Chris Brown... Uh, Took reps with the first team today, and they had him wear a gold, uh, as the quarterbacks do for Cal practices, a gold do-not-hit-me 
jersey, which is the first one I've ever seen used for a running back. So definitely still some lingering side effects from that hit he took last Saturday versus USC. Um, if we could mention Stanford's offense, as we mentioned, St- Davis Mills is no scrub. The man can play. Um, against Washington State last week, he put up some great numbers. He was 33 of 50, threw for 504 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions, but throwing for 500 yards is no joke. Yeah, that's the all-time single-game passing record for Stanford. So that's... Uh... Well, he did he did throw for 400 yards before that, so he he got he, he has an arm. He uh, he owns two of the top 15 uh, single game passing records in Stanford history. So yeah, he does have an arm, and he has some pretty good targets as well. Yes, he does have some good targets. Um, Cam Weddington is his favorite receiver. He's caught 51 balls this year for 506 yards, but this is the thing that could really bother the Cal defense. He's six feet, seven feet. He's excuse me. He's six feet, seven inches tall. And as we saw this past Saturday against USC, Michael Pittman, who was six foot four, went against our smaller cornerback uh, Elijah Hicks, who's only five eleven, and absolutely destroyed him. Eleven catches for one hundred and eighty yards last week for Michael Pittman. It also helps that Michael Pittman is slated to be the superstar that was promised by the Oracle. Uh, but yeah, I'll give you the height difference as well. Okay, well, we also have to mention their other wide receiver, Michael Wilson. He's six foot two, a little shorter than Cam, but again, both their top receivers can pose some matchup nightmares for our cornerbacks. Yes, Stanford has always been big in the in the tight end game, and that's something that's really been consistent for David Shaw. We, I don't know, you you want to talk about tight ends or or no? Let's see. Well. Tight- now we'll, we'll we'll skip it for now, just to save on time. We we do quite a bit to get to, but. We talked about the Stanford offense, talked a little bit about the Stanford defense. We talked about the kind of lack of hype that's going into this game, and McCoy, I think I have to agree with you. The odds makers, even though it's, you know, four and six versus five and five, those are obviously not great uh, records either way, but they have a a two and a half point spread against Cal in favor of Stanford right now. Here's the thing that I think is going for Cal. You take a look at what happened after the Utah game. 35-0 loss for the Bears. They come back, they bounce back strong, the defense does, against Washington State. And they bounce back really strong against uh, an offense that put up 63 points earlier this year. Held them to 20, right? Half of their season average. Same thing this week, right? Cal allows their season high in points, 41 to USC. A couple of stellar receivers are the cause, right? Now you go into Stanford this next week, I think the defense bounces back, and that is my hot take for today's Bear Talk. That that doesn't seem that hot. 15 points or less. Yeah, that's a a very uh, tepid take. Against a guy who threw for 504 last week? Okay, let's let's talk about Oregon State for a second. The Stanford versus Oregon State game was a had a whopping three point spread in which Stanford just eked out a win, thirty one to twenty eight. Oregon a- State has one of the weakest, and I mean weakest. I mean could not lift a five pound dumbbell weak defense in the country. No, no, not anymore. Not that Oregon State is a Back much then they di- most certainly Oregon did. State is a much different team from week one in the season until week eleven. Oregon State is not a team that you can joke about right now, which is something... Oregon State is in second place They're almost bowl eligible. They're eligible. They're in second place alone in the Pac-12 North a year after finishing 2-10. and 10. At the time, 
It doesn't matter. They had one of the worst. No, it does. It actually it was does week matter. Five, right? and that should matter. They played yeah, for a month. Oregon State played Northwestern. They played USC. Or sorry, Stanford played Northwestern. They played USC. They played UCF. Stanford had been exposed at that point in the season, and Oregon State had already started to come out. I don't think their defense is bottom five in the country anymore. Perhaps not. Back I don't think then. It, no, it wasn't. Hundred percent. That's ridiculous. Okay, that's ridiculous. Well, since we talked about hot takes, I got my own hot take. I think a Cal wide receiver, and I'll be more specific. I'll say Jordan Duncan goes for more than a hundred yards on Saturday. Leave it. Here's immediately the th- leave it. Here's the thing. Jordan Duncan, when he makes great catches, gets great yards. But the thing is, every time Jordan Duncan gets targeted for a pass of more than 20 yards, he has to make some unbelievable acrobatic catch to uh, to get the ball, right? That's I true. Don't, I don't think, first of all, if Devon Monster starts, maybe. If Chase Garber starts, I don't think so. Mm, well, that's why it's a hot take, but I disagree with you, actually. I think Tepid I take. know you don't like... Devon Monster, but I mean, you don't like Chase Garbers as much. I am a Chase Garbers fan. I know you are not, but I feel like Chase Garbers. I'm a Chase Garbers fan. I just think that I'm more of a Devon Monster fan than you are. Let's, you are. Let's you are. throw a wrench in the in the system and trot out Spencer Brash against their third stringer. Okay. Jack West. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we got Cal football at Stanford this Saturday. I'm ready. I'm so. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there bright and early, 9 a.m. at the stadium. I won't be there at 9, but I will be there also. You're going to be there, too. You can catch every moment of the 122nd big game this coming Saturday. Kickoff at 1 p.m. Pacific time. The Calyx pregame show hits the air at 1245 Pacific, right here on 90.7 FM KALX. Berkeley streaming live worldwide at kalx.berkeley.edu. And be sure to follow at Calyx Sports on Twitter for every bit of information uh, not only this next big game, but for every Cal Sports broadcast, every Cal X Sports upcoming game that you'll be able to hear on 90.7 FM. Once again, the pregame show at 12.45 p.m. Pacific time. We'll talk to Cal safety Jalen Hawkins along with defensive line coach Andrew Browning ahead of a 1 p.m. kickoff this coming Saturday. It'll be Jesse O on the call. I'm excited to tune in. I hope you guys are too. You guys will be there with your pocket Walkmans, right? Yes, the ones officially required for you both to have as sports talkers. This is uh, this is required. I didn't know if you knew this. Just like Steve Bartman. Just like Steve Bartman. Perfect. You can, you even look like him today a little bit too, McCoy. You got the you got the jacket on. You got the anyone wearing a jacket looks like Steve Bartman. And that is white. the hottest take. And your there white. we go. There's the two characteristics we share. All right. Well, let's talk some uh, some Cal basketball and. Cal's women's or men's? Well, let's start out. Hey, let's let's be a little bit conservative and start out with men's. Let's basketball. Let's start out with the four and zero, oh, the perfect record. Cal Bears. You realize it took let's Mark go. Mark Tom, it took Mark Fox four games to get to half of Viking Jones' win total. Yeah, well, Viking did win sixteen, but last year you're. I right, mean, he did la- win yes. Eight, so. la- thank theoretically, you, yes, you're right. Thank you, Noah. Wow, theoretically, okay. We've officially broken the Viking curse. Cal's gonna play number one Duke tomorrow, and uh, it's a battle of unbeaten's. That's uh, that's for sure. That's the headline. Uh, I think that's a bit. Uh, that's about all you can say about it, Noah. You're our resident Cal basketball, Cal men's basketball expert, at least, and. Uh, Duke. I think it's going to be a tough one. Um, if the Bears can hang around in the first half and make it a close game, 
you know, you never know with college basketball. Maybe you have a shot to upset Duke. We've seen this past season's Evansville beat Kentucky, but um, Duke's just all around more talented than us. I'm, their starting five is all averaging more than ten points a game. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. The Bears got to lock in defensively. If they want to have a chance. I think a success for the Bears in this game is hanging in it until halftime. I think that's a phenomenal success, actually. Is hanging and by hanging in it, I mean you know maybe like ten, 10 points. Ten less. Yeah, ten points. Right at halftime. That to me is is Mark Fox's coaching working f- like really really well. Like if if that's if that if, if that's the case, extend Mark Fox. You know, if it's if it's five points or less, give him two more years. Uh, I'm not sure about that, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Well, yeah, if, if they can hang in it until at least halftime, it's fine. Cal's not deep off the bench. Except, of course, when Mark Fox starts playing all the starters off the bench, which he's done the last couple of games, which is, okay, sure, give the second unit a bit more experience. But, you know, you get my point, Noah. Um, I get your point, and also I want to say, if Cal's going to have a chance to win tomorrow, even slightly, Matt Bradley is going to have to have a big-time game. He's the Bears' best player, in my opinion. If he doesn't show up, then... The rest of the squad won't show up. Let's just pull up his stats from these past few games. I mean, he's already averaging 20 points a game. He's already averaging 20 points a game, but he's going to have to have more than that for the Bears to pull off this upset against Duke. I don't know. I don't know if it's Matt Bradley carrying the team that gives you an upset against Duke, to be Matt honest. Bradley's very efficient. I, I just want to point that out. I think, I think that you would... need to have stand-up performances from two or three of those guys. See, that's probably correct. Two or three outstanding shooting performances. That's probably correct, but... The chances of that happening, in my opinion, are slim. So a that's nu- why I say you need to have one player go off, and in this case, it's Matt Bradley. A nuclear meltdown on the side of Duke also wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be out of the question. Yeah, as what for if it, how to lead Cal to its for, uh, how to lead Cal to its fourth all t- or sorry the third all time victory out of four meetings that they've had. What was the last one against Duke? Jason Kidd, right? 93. Yeah, 93 Jason and Kidd. 82 Jason are the previous two. Wins. I'm just saying how hard would it be to get a hold of Nike and have maybe another busted sneaker, something like that. They are Nike, right, Duke? They are Nike, They yes. are Nike, yeah. I'm just saying, busted sneaker, worked last year. You can probably guarantee they won that, game, though. that Cal's going to be rocking their best Under Armour gear because I, I know that Under Armour, first, I mean, Cal versus Duke primetime, under Armour is going to want to show off their gear. Yeah, Under Armour, East Coast company. Cal's going to the East Coast. Madison Square Garden. And how about that venue for this young team, right? Under a new coach. Fifth game under a new coach, and you're playing 9 p.m. Eastern in Madison Square Garden versus the number one team in the country. Above Penn Station? I'm just saying, what's to be what's to be said for the mentality with which the Bears come out tomorrow, even? Like, like... It's so easy for a team like this to just get wowed by going to New York, playing the number one team in the country, Madison Square Garden, prime time, weeknight. It's like yeah. you have to get past all of that before you can even start thinking about the basketball. Um, you're right, exactly. We went to Brooklyn last year. We played in the Barclays Arena. So a lot of these players do have experience playing in an NBA arena, but as you said, Madison Square Garden is a different beast. Um, they got to come in. Be locked in, stay focused, and they can have a chance, but they got to make sure that the lights aren't too bright for them. And knowing the players on the team, I think they won't be. They're going to come out and give it their all. 
Right, that's a positive view of Cal Duke tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. I didn't say they'd win. I just said they'd come <laughs> out and give it their all. Six, I just hope both teams have fun. 6 p.m. Pacific time. I like that. Cal and Duke, the number one team in the country. Thank you, Evansville, for now having Cal play the number one team in the country, not the number two team in the country. Cal women's basketball, home opener was this past Sunday. You heard it all on 90.7 FM, KALX Berkeley. Noah, you were there. Ryan Zimmerman was with you. And, oh boy, a win that, uh, well, was exciting in the first half at least before Cal really got their act together in the second half. Yeah, the first half, the, the Cal started off a little slow. Um, Sarah Anastasiaska, I would say arguably Cal's best player. So far. So far. At least she started off slow, and she was hesitant. She did not look to get her shot off early, which really disappointed me, but as soon as she... She did um, well against UConn. She did, but as soon as she let the game come to her, and that was more in the second half, she started to take over, and so did everyone else. They stepped up their game, and the Bears really won in a landslide. Anastasiaska shot 7 of 9 from the floor versus UC Riverside. Leilani McIntosh, 4 turnovers generated. And that's really the impact that these these players just coming back to the team for Anastasiaska after injury for McIntosh coming in as a freshman. It's a completely different team than the one that Lindsey Gottlieb was working with last year. And although they went and played uh, UConn again, just like Lindsey Gottlieb's squad did a couple of years ago with a freshman, Kiana Smith, Christina Nigue, and Asia Thomas in their junior years, they were still able to hang with UConn. They only lost by 11. And really for that UConn game, they were in it for most of it. They, That's something to be said. It was not a runaway game versus UConn. No, it wasn't. They played a very strong game against UConn and a really tough opponent, too. That's that's a tough one to only have your second game um, in the season be against UConn. And it was very close. Again, as you mentioned, I think Sarah Anastasias got 25 points. She was 5 for 10 on three-point shots. Um, there was a lot of good things you saw as a Cal fan watching that game against UConn. Yeah, and they come out in their home opener versus Riverside. Again, the final 84-61 Cal wins. It's the first win for Charmin Smith You're right. as a head coach. We're going to talk to Charmin Smith coming up one of these weeks on Bear Talk. Hope to get her on here. I'm excited, but it's a big win, and I don't know if it's really a new era yet from the Lindsey Gottlieb era. Mm-hmm. It's very similar, very similar teams. Charmin Smith, Lindsey Gottlieb, same coaching staff for however many years, and... Uh, no, we can talk more about this, but I know that definitely with Viking Jones, we were not big fans of promoting with, from within. But Sherman Smith, so far, at least in these first three games, close loss to Harvard, medium loss to a top-ranked UConn team, and then the win against UC Riverside, showing good things. What's the what's the report card for for Sherman Smith for you in the first three games? Because for me, it's at least an A minus B plus. Um, I'm I go for A minus too. She's actually she's done really well. Um. You also failed to mention that she's been an assistant at Cal for the past 13 That's seasons. That's what I'm saying, same coaching so staff. Yeah. She's been here a while, and you would think that she may have the same coaching pedigree as former coach Lindsay Gottlieb, and she does. She's been really emphasizing defense, and against Yuzu Riverside last game, that was apparent. They forced a lot of turnovers in the first half and applied a lot of pressure, even brought a full-court press that really bothered UC Riverside and allowed for... Um, second uh, allowed for fast break points. Cal tips offers a San Diego State down in Southern California, 6.30 p.m. tomorrow, so same time as the men's game. That game will not be on CalX because it's an away game, but 
Immediately after the San Diego State game, Cal will go on a nine-game homestand all the way into the beginning of conference play. They'll host number 20 Arkansas, number 13 Kentucky in that stretch from November 24th to January 5th. They'll be at home nine times, and every single one of those games will be right here on 90.7 FM, KALX Berkeley, your Cal Sports Radio Network. We hope that you tune in and, again, follow at CalX Sports on Twitter for all the latest news and updates on when we'll be broadcasting and from where. Before we go, and again, I want to remind you, the Nightman is next here on KALX Berkeley. I do want to hit real quick on the Astros cheating scandal and McCoy. What a patently absurd cheating scandal. I mean, when you when you look back at it, it's really hard to see why it wasn't spotted earlier. I mean, it's a tale of whistleblowers. It's juicier right now than the impeachment hearings. And you... <laughs> I mean, Mike Fires, one of the best mustaches in baseball right now, by the way, uh, telling The Athletic, he's their main source, that the Astros stole signs. How did they do it? They smacked on trash cans. They smacked on trash cans after getting a direct feed from an outfield camera. Now there are reports of these buzzing bandages that players were wearing while at bat. What's next? I don't know. I'm a big fan of, if this is true vacating the 2017 World Series title. That's a good take it or leave it. I'm 100% going to take that that is going to happen. I take it too. If yeah. it happened, yep. Can't suspend the players for that amount of time, right? Nope. What's Ma- what's Rob Manford going to do? Vacate the 2017 World Series title, and you know this? Our good friend Sid Nike brought this up. 2017 to 2019, the Astros don't cheat. Oakland Athletics. AL West Division Champion. That's true. We'll leave you with that. Once again, the big game coming up this Saturday, 12.45 p.m. Pacific Time, the CalX pregame show with Cal Safety Jalen Hawkins and defensive line coach Andrew Browning on 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley or Cal Sports Radio Network, 12.45 p.m. Pacific Time, ahead of a 1 p.m. Pacific kickoff. Bear Talk is every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Thanks for being with us tonight. For Noah Rafaga and McCoy Cantwell, my name is is Sam Wiseman. Until this Saturday at 12.45 p.m. Pacific Time, the 122nd big game, all right here on 90.7 FM, KALX Berkeley, your Cal Sports Radio Network.